it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, your home for top-shelf radio in a bottom-feeding political world. But it stretches now beyond politics, just the world as a whole is really a disappointment, but we'll try to pick up the mood in the next three hours here at 888-788-9910. War breaking out in the Middle East. The president expected to address the world from the White House today at 1 p.m. This could be a problem. Yeah, let's hope he stays on script for that. My goodness gracious. But, uh, you know, I always call this show America's Family Meeting, and I'm kind of the deadbeat mess of a dad who's sitting at the head of the table hearing about what you learned today and what your observations were in school or, you know, if you actually stayed in class or you ran behind the dumpsters and looked at a bunch of playboys. Hubba, hubba. Whatever the case may be, if it's going on out there, uh, it is very much happening in here on America's Radio Family Meeting. So 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of the show, you know the rules. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian, an independent just don't be a hey man happy tuesday uh it's a mess out there we are a day closer to the filming of my one-hour stand-up special friday night october the 13th at the paramount in huntington and uh, i am fired up for that to be honest with you stand-up comedy is at its best when the world is at its worst unfortunately because people need an outlet they need you know an opportunity to release cut loose because for a lot of people comedy is how they cope with things they just don't have the emotional capacity or desire to process you know i think you've heard me say this but one of the things that made me want to be a comic is living in new york after 911 every comedy club in the city every comic that got on stage if it was you know the late robin williams or chris rock was out there or chappelle or the late great patrice o'neill they were all doing jokes about the conditions in the country because it was a horror that had overwhelmed all of us now that's not me telling you i'm about to kick off the radio show today with a bunch of you know jokes about the tragedy going on in the middle east i know better step into my office what Because you're fired. But the point is, Friday night, uh, for people who need that outlet, we are very much going to pull the goalie because that's what you do at a comedy club. Uh, You treat people like adults who know the difference between a joke and a hate crime. And that is something you're all allowed to indulge in. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? So there you go. Fired up the crowd. We're back. We're ready to rumble. Uh, As far as today goes... Ooh, what a mess. Biden's speech, we will carry it live. Uh, He is going to be speaking from the White House, scheduled to go off at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, according to what we've been told. And uh, we don't have excerpts yet. Usually when the president speaks, they give you an excerpt of what he's going to say. And then afterwards, they revise that uh, excerpt to put what Biden wound up saying into actual English. Biden's lost his marbles. The guy's a mess. Okay, but in a moment like this, what he needs to project is strength. Okay, just strength. The people in Hamas, the people over there in Palestine that are attacking civilians, raping women, beheading babies. Okay, these are animals. There is no level of diplomacy 
There is no amount of decorum that's going to get them to change their approach. The only thing they respect is strength. I'm not trying to make a political point per se, but there's a reason you didn't see a lot of this going on under Trump. They feared our response. Okay, right now we're dealing with a military. We're dealing with a president that has gone ahead and eased sanctions on Iran since taking office and pursued a strategy of appeasement. The people who want to blow up the country, who chant death to America, Biden was like, I don't know, maybe we should give him a bunch of money. That's stupid. Use your common sense. And people are saying right now, well, you know, they do have Americans held hostage over there. And that's a sad reality that we're facing. But one of the reasons they hold Americans hostages is because this administration handed over $6 billion for the last round of hostages. Ergo, we have incentivized taking more hostages. I think he's got a point. But the only thing he should be up there expressing is unequivocal support for Israel. Because sadly, we don't have enough of it right now. Okay, I can tell you living in New York after 9-11, okay, there was no, yeah, but... The whole country, the whole world condemned what happened at the Trade Center, condemned what happened at the Pentagon, condemned what happened on United Flight 93 that ultimately wound up in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Okay, there was a unilateral condemnation because we were living in a world that understood the clearly delineated line between good and evil. Okay, now you've got people out there expressing support for Hamas. Oh, Israel's occupying and they're doing all the... Shut up! Will you shut up? Okay, Israel did not randomly sucker punch the Gaza Strip in the middle of the night on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. They actually waited one extra day because it was the Jewish Sabbath. And they were so hell-bent on inflicting maximum casualties and maximum emotional carnage that they waited an extra day to attack them on their religious Sabbath. That's what went on. So when you see people out there protesting in the streets, when you see somebody like Rashida Tlaib flying the Palestinian flag on her office at the Capitol. Get her out. Get her out of here. Shouldn't exist. Okay, that's embarrassing. So if Biden really wants the world to take him seriously, okay, he can start by addressing his own mess in his own party. Because one of the reasons we're now looking at poll numbers that shows us Israel going upside down in the Palestinian conflict. In 2013, okay, nearly 60% of Democrats supported Israel in their conflict with Palestine. Fast forward 10 years... And the vast majority of Democrats, according to the polling, now support the Palestinians. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Think about that. okay? for a party that loves to call anyone who disagrees with them a Nazi. okay? that's the demo. You disagree. You're a Nazi. You're a white supremacist. okay? they wholeheartedly support the people that want to eliminate the Jewish race. Okay, that's going on right now in real time. Democrats are so full of crap. All the time. Okay, whenever you hear the words racist, transphobe, bigot, Nazi, those words are there to shame people into compliance. They bust out the big bad words so people are scared 
to go the other way in the debate. Well, I don't want to be called a racist. I don't want to be called a homophobe. I don't want to be called a transphobe. That's how we wound up with men swimming against women. People didn't want the blowback of being called a transphobe, so they got the hell out of the way. But oddly enough, many people in the party that think it's okay for men to dress up as women and jump in the pool support a regime that would take any man who wanted to jump into a pool dressed as a lady, light him on fire, and throw him off the side of a building. So you understand, it is a stampede of stupidity, the likes we've never seen before in response to actual terror attacks. Again, 9-11 happened. We were here. There was no yeah, but. Okay, but here is the Israeli ambassador. I wanted to play some of these clips just to give you a sense of what is going on right now because it's bad. Okay, and I'm going to give you a clip that happened on MSNBC as well where the guest was talking about like, hey, what the hell's going on? But listen to Danny Dannon. Uh, this is clip 20. Rashida Talib, she's a disgrace. She, shame on her for such a behavior. You know, imagine that uh, in her hometown in Detroit, Michigan, 1,000 people would have been kidnapped and killed. Children, families. How can she even identify herself with such brutality? I think the people of Michigan should send her home. I know he doesn't represent the, the American people. And good for him because he's telling the truth. Okay. It doesn't represent the American people. If you're someone in Israel, if you're someone with family in Israel, okay, the good outnumbers the bad in this country. But sadly, the worst of the worst happen to be sitting in office in Congress right now. Here's Jonathan Greenblatt. He was on with Morning Joe. I don't know who he pissed off to get that assignment. But he's the head of the Anti-Defamation League. And he was he's the CEO. And he was asking Morning Joe about their approach to covering this conflict. Because to be honest with you, MSNBC has not taken a tone of universal condemnation of Hamas. Like, this is crazy. Okay. You turn on Fox, they're like, oh, there's a terrorist. And we're like... Oh, awful. Kill him. Get him out of here. You turn on MSNBC, they're like, there's a terrorist. They're like, hey, can you take a selfie with my kid? This is crazy. Here's Jonathan Greenblatt, clip 21. I'll be honest. I am angry. I am angry with the world that allowed the dehumanization of Israelis and sanitized the terrorism of Hamas. I must say, I love this show and I love this network. But I've got to ask, who is writing the scripts? Hamas? (laughs) <laughs> the people who did this, they are not fighters, Jonathan. They are not militants. And I'm looking right at the camera. They are terrorists. It is a barbarian who rapes and brutalizes women, who tear, kills children in front of their parents, and then brings them over to Gaza, who literally, we've heard all these reports, and we know these aren't just reports. These were filmed gleefully by the barbarians who committed these grotesque crimes. Good for him. Okay, it's awful what he's recounting, but what he's recounting is reality. You're not dealing with diplomats. You're not dealing with soldiers. You're not dealing with activists. People killing children in front of their parents, people beheading babies, people waiting until the Sabbath so they can attack them on their religious holiday, These are animals. That's true. That is true. Animals. You understand? We don't owe them any dignity. We don't owe them any conversational courtesy or consideration. Okay? The reality is when people get out there and cheer along atrocities like the ones we're seeing, the world becomes a lot more likely to see more of them 
if you don't speak out against it. When you're right, you're right, and you're right. Let's give Justin Trudeau some credit. I consider Justin Trudeau a pandering jackass. Okay, he was the guy who brought in the National Guard against striking truckers who didn't want to take the vaccine. And then, of course, a year later, he was like, well, you know, the thing we did up here in Canada is we didn't force anybody to take the shot. You are so full of shit. <laughs> no, we just fired them from their jobs and sent in the National Guard. But it was a polite conversation, you understand. Justin Trudeau's a clown. Okay, straight clown. Okay, but understand he had the good sense to know that Hamas are terrorists. This is clip 25. Glorification of death and violence and terror has no place anywhere, including and especially here in Canada. So let me be very clear. Hamas terrorists aren't a resistance. They're not freedom fighters. They are terrorists. And no one in Canada should be supporting them, much less celebrating them. I admire your honesty. Give him credit, man. I don't like Trudeau. I don't like most of what he does. The pandering idiot. Someone once <laughs> threw the word mankind. Is this the greatest achievement in mankind? And he was like, um, let me correct you. It's people kind. That was absolutely dreadful. Justin Trudeau is Beto if he could win an election. That's essentially who he is. But he's right to speak out and say, hey, these are monsters. This is garbage. These are barbarians. It's not a resistance. They're killing children. They're raping women. Okay, they are attacking civilians. These are not military installations. These are garbage human beings. And they're funded by Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, who just received a $6 billion infusion from the president. Biden is such a disaster. Here's Bill Barr talking about it, clip 30. Our strategic imperative, and I think Israel's strategic imperative in the Mideast, is to prevent Iran from getting nuclear weapons. This uh, administration says it's committed to that, but it's done a miserable job. They're on the brink of obtaining them. Uh, and I think uh, they're hostage takers, as we're saying. And what do you think they're going to do once they get nuclear weapons? They're going to take the world and the region hostage. It's spot on. Okay. Iran doesn't want to negotiate with us. Like, they'll make a nuclear deal because we'll just fund more of their atrocities. But we're doing so in the name of, like, tolerance and equality and inclusion. And if we just show them how much we appreciate and respect their culture, they'll come to see it our way. Not even close! Okay, weapons-grade stupidity everywhere you look. But i got to be honest with you. It's disgusting. Disgusting that elected officials in this country are siding with the people who raped the women and beheaded the children. So when Joe Biden gets up to the microphone today, whoever wrote that script, what I would tell you is if you really want to get the world's attention, you want to put them on notice, you want to let them know that we're serious, you could start by just cleaning up your own country. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The world is a mess. We need a leader. We have Joe Biden. That can't be good. Listen, man, uh, as a guy roots for the country, I will tell you this. Today is a day. Uh, now is a time where, to the extent that you can, you try to put your political differences aside and hope the guy can actually lead us through this. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be sincere with you if I told you I had any faith in this guy at all. I don't. I mean, I've watched the last two and a half years and come away from this feeling like he's not actually in charge. That's been the takeaway. Uh, but whoever is in charge, whoever is putting the words into the teleprompter, my hope is that they've shot him up with plenty of B-12 and they've really locked him in on a short, concise speech that condemns, condemns, condemns the raging anti-Semitism in his own party and projects a modicum of strength to the world. Because the only thing they understand, OK, again, Donald Trump's the only president in the last four decades who's avoided war. And the reason we avoided war is because people thought he wanted one more than anybody else out there. Correct the mundo. OK, they respect strength. That's what they respect. That's the international language. Okay. Gunboat diplomacy. Peace through strength. Speak softly. Carry a big stick. Right now we have babble incoherently and carry a big font on the teleprompter. It's a precarious time on the world stage. Okay. Nobody knows better than Alex. He's out in Brooklyn. Alex. Hey, Jimmy, uh, thanks for taking the call. Um, you know, whenever you have all these things where Hamas attacks Israel and then Israel has to defend itself, a lot of Israelis die, but even more than they have more Palestinians in Gaza that end up dying because of this. And so if Rashida Tlaib and uh, Ilan Omar, if they really cared about their brothers and sisters in Gaza, then they, they would be outraged and they would want Hamas to be obliterated um, because they don't want – if they don't want their people to die, right? Yep. So when – you know, their hatred for the Jewish people and the Jewish state, it seems like, goes beyond their love for their own people. Mm-hmm. And and really, President Trump, which you mentioned, he was a friend of the Israelis, but he was even a bigger friend for the Palestinians living in Gaza, not the terrorists, yep. but the people that wanted to live. And they don't want to die when Israel yep. it, it rightfully defends itself when being attacked by Hamas. Yeah, so. Um... All I, all I would say, Alex, is Hamas wants their civilians to die because that's their currency. They get to go, look at what Israel did. OK, and that's why they have military installations under hospitals and they're using people as human shields. It's barbaric, man. We just need strength right now. Above everything else, strength. Uh, good stuff, Alex. We'll do it again real soon. More of your calls, text, tweets and carrier pigeons when we come back on Fox Across America. There it is, Fox Across America with the main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking to Paul Morrow today. Paul ran the NYPD's counterterrorism unit for 15 years in the aftermath of 9-11. Paul 
of course, being here on the ground in New York when terrorists took down the World Trade Center, inflicted an unimaginable horror on our community. Uh, If there was one thing he had going for him doing such an impossible job, it was that the world universally supported America in the aftermath of those terror attacks. There was no yeah, but. Okay, right now we have a yeah, but, and it's coming from members of the Democratic Party. What the hell is the world coming to? I do not know. But earlier today on America's Newsroom, uh, Dana Perino was interviewing John Kirby, Pentagon spokesman, about Biden's speech today at one o'clock. And she asked him about whether the president planned to condemn the support for Hamas and the attacks on innocent Israelis. Here it is. The president is not shy about calling out MAGA Republicans, as he calls them. Um, In this scenario, in this situation, you have people within the Democratic Party, members of Congress, who have said some very vile things, despite all that we've just talked about in terms of the barbarity. In his remarks today, will President Biden call out those members of his own party for those remarks which should absolutely be rejected? Well, without getting into too specifics, uh, too many specifics on the speech itself, I think you will hear uh, very clearly from President Biden today the, the need for all Americans uh, to unite in support of Israel and what they're going through. And, and you'll hear him also uh, deliver a, a strong message to the American people about wrapping our arms around the Jewish community here in this country, uh, making sure that they can worship and they can live in peace and security and they don't have to worry about uh, threats of violence to themselves and to their places of worship. So you will hear a unifying message from President Biden on that score. Okay, listen, if he condemns, if he condemns the people in his own party, we give him a good grade on this speech. Okay, but if he says we love Israel, we got you back, we'll do everything for you. But has no acknowledgement of members of the Democratic Party flying flags outside their offices. You gotta do better than that. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way we're okay with that. Okay, this is the problem we have right now. This is an administration. It's crazy because they're so politically conscious at every turn. The political cost is always more important than the human cost. The agenda is always more important than the actual carnage that you're dealing with. Okay, Biden yesterday trots Kirby out for an interview with the great Martha McCallum. She asks Kirby if the president still believes, as we're on the brink of World War III, she asks Kirby if the president still believes that the biggest threat facing humanity is climate change. And Kirby says yes. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Listen to this. Listen to this exchange. Clip five. Does the president stand by that comment? Absolutely he does. Climate change is an existential threat. It could, you know, it actually threatens and is capable of wiping out all human life on Earth uh, over time. I mean, that's I don't know how more existential you can get to that. But that doesn't mean that we walk away from our obligations, our national security interests in very dangerous parts of but the John, world. You mentioned he, he said it was more frightening than a nuclear war. Is that it's more frightening than a nuclear war in this moment? The president believes wholeheartedly that climate change is an existential threat to the all of human life on the planet. That's just science. That's a fact, Martha. But it doesn't mean that we turn our back on the other challenges facing this country and our allies and partners around the world. That was embarrassing. And it was weak. When the world sees politics, 
okay, they see them as a sign of weakness because you're demonstrating to the world how far you're willing to go in this negotiation. When you've got a White House, all right, now get out there, talk about the conflict in Israel, but make sure they know that the thing we're most concerned about is climate change. That's what's going on right now. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. They don't care about climate change. They don't care. Okay, and when they see that you are still conscious of your agenda at a time when this is Americans are held hostage. Okay, people are being attacked. Okay, when they see you showing your political cards, well, climate change, it's bigger than a nuclear war. No, it's not. A nuclear war would kill all of humanity in like a day and a half. Okay, we don't even have any data that tells us climate change is real. He knows what he's talking about. The only data we have, the only data we have is that the people pushing climate change have expanded their bank accounts dramatically. Money, 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 money. That's the only concrete data you can show me is that every time someone spoke about climate change, they immediately passed around a collection plate when they got done with the gloom and doom sermon. We're all going to die. Please give us money. That's how it works. Now you get out there on the brink of World War III. No, we stand by the comment. Yeah, the president, he's worried about climate change. Dude, what are we talking about here? This is a clown show. Okay, but you understand when the agenda, okay, because the agenda is how they derive their power. You dig? We got to save the world. We're all going to die. Anybody who doesn't agree with us is a murderer. This is worse than nuclear war. That's how they shame young, stupid people into supporting them. And young, stupid people start cutting checks so they can feel better about their own virtue and valor. Pay up, suckers. That's all the Democrats doing, laughing their asses off. Hey, we told them they're going to have to start eating bugs. Not nah, so bad right now. You're gonna have to start eating bugs, and the young people are like, "All right, all right I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the world. I guess I'll, I'll eat the bugs. I don't know. That's what's going on. They're preying on idiots, no differently than Hamas preying on idiots. When you see people like the porn star Mia Khalifa, just got fired from Playboy. I gotta be honest, pretty hard to get fired from Playboy. <laughs> got fired from Playboy. Why? Because yesterday. She was tweeting her support for Hamas, saying, turn your cameras sideways as you're killing these people so we can see it better. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Just human trash. Okay, human trash. And she got fired by a playboy. Dude, as a porn star, okay, in Hamas, if you starred in a pornographic film that was displayed publicly, you'd get killed. I think he's got a point. Debbie does firing squads. That would be the name of the porno. Yet there are people out there that are that stupid that are supporting them because they've been fed this idea that they're the virtuous side. That's part of it. The other side of it is a lot of anti-Semitism out there. I didn't realize how bad it was because what happens is here in America, for real, okay, here in America, whenever they get on the news and they tell us, oh, anti-Semitism is on the rise, they never have an honest conversation about it. Like in New York, you know who's attacking Jewish people in New York? Black homeless people. That's 99% of the attacks. You turn on the subway, someone's attacking them. It's the same thing with anti-Asian sentiments. A crazy black person strung out on drugs, okay? That's who attacks them in New York. It's most of the attacks. But they try to spin it just as vague anti-Semitism because it comes with political power. Well, it must be those right-wingers. January 6th, Trump supporters, am I right? I'm telling you we got to do something about this. It's just out-and-out racism from the Republicans. That's what it is. The left weaponizes race 
whenever they're losing an argument. But to be clear, there's so much anti-Semitism beyond just homeless people strung out on K2 here in Manhattan. There's actual brazen anti-Semitism. I got that it existed in the Middle East and that regimes want to wipe Israel off the map. And we keep donating to them and easing oil sanctions and making them richer. I don't like it. I know it's a thing. But to see it here in this country, to see people rallying on behalf of Palestine is really disgusting. Okay, because you could frame this like it's a war, like they're a resistance. Dude, they were just living there. Israel abandoned the Gaza Strip. Here, it's yours. You can have it. They left in 2004. It's yours. Okay? It was the Hamas group who paraglided into Israel, who cut holes in a wall and then became slaughtering Israelis at a rave, and not just Jews. They slaughtered Muslims. They slaughtered other Palestinians who don't want to live in Palestine. Okay, and yes, they killed Americans, and yes, they took Americans hostage. And we have Americans. We have elected officials in Congress getting out there and supporting them. That is totally absurd. It's insane is what it is. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to me as a person. But you understand when it comes to this administration, okay, the agenda, the agenda, the politics are always going to be more important than the people. That's why you hear Biden's administration crowing about climate change. After this horrific atrocity, climate change is real. Okay, the rising sea levels are really going to get us. They're not only going to get us, but they're going to get all of these Democrats who keep telling us climate change is real and the rising sea levels are coming. And then they go and build waterfront mansions on both coasts like Barack Obama did. Don't be thick. All right. Seriously, Obama. Ah, the sea levels are rising. We're all going to die. He said from his waterfront compound in Martha's Vineyard. I don't excuse me. Excuse me. I got that one wrong. Geotag was off. He said it from his waterfront compound in Hawaii. Uh, but stick with me here. OK, all of this fraud, all of this agenda pushing, it signals weakness to the world because they realize where you need the conversation to go. Number one. Number two. OK, we see their agenda in play at the border. And when you talk about weakness and an inability to protect Americans. OK, the reality is right now, when it comes to our southern border, we have a we have a bipartisan report out from Congress today. That says not only have 7 million people gotten into the country under Joe Biden, but that we know of, there has been 1.7 million gotaways. You have no idea how to defend a nation. Okay, so at least 8.7 million people have entered this country, 1.7 million of which we have no idea where they are or what they came from or what they want to do. But why is that a reality? Because for Biden, the political cost of securing the border were dire. He couldn't have gotten elected in 2020, he couldn't have gotten the support of his party if he didn't reverse his position on the wall. Joe Biden is a guy who previously supported border walls, supported border fences in specific areas along the border where things were undetected. This is Biden running for president against Obama, clip 42. So I think what you have to do is you have to have a significant increase in the security at the border, including limited elements where you actually have a fence. Not a fence 3,000 miles like these folks are talking about, but you've got to, there are certain places people can go over and under a fence, but you can't take 100 kilos of cocaine over and under a fence. And what you do when you have limited places where fences are in populated areas, you force these drug dealers and others around, making it easier to apprehend because there's fewer places to come through. So I think the combination of 
virtual fencing, some fencing, additional, um, additional border patrol is important. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. He's not in trouble because his party doesn't go back and hold him accountable for that because beliefs are malleable in the Democratic Party. You will abandon the interest of this country if you think it'll help you win an election. And that's what Biden did. He wanted a fence. Thought it worked. Thought it'd force people around it. Thought it'd make it easier on Border Patrol. But now he's out there telling you with a straight face, ah, borders don't work. They had, no, the walls, no, I don't believe it works. You were lying your ass off. But they were more concerned with the politics because loud voices in their party were telling you that securing the border was racist. We should be building bridges, not walls, said every single Democrat, until the people coming across those bridges of an opened border started showing up in their communities, at which point every Democratic mayor and governor was like, Get them out of here. Get them out. But here's the reality of the politics being more important than the people. Here's Bill Malusian telling America's Newsroom, that an extremely high number of terror watch list members are crossing the southern border. Clip 39. We'll start with the terror watch list numbers. Fiscal year 2023 so far, 151 people on the FBI's terror watch list have been arrested by Border Patrol agents while they were crossing illegally here at our southern border. That is the highest number on record. It's also higher than the previous six years combined. The highest number under Trump was six. We got 151 this year so far. Now, the Biden administration says, well, that shows they're catching more people, right? Not exactly. We'll talk about the gotaways. CBP sources telling us since President Biden took office, there have been well over 1.5 million known gotaways at our southern border. These are illegal immigrants who are crossing the border and are seen on cameras or sensors, but Border Patrol doesn't have the manpower to get to them, so they successfully get into the United States without capture. Biden sucks. Did you hear that? The highest number of apprehensions at our southern border under Trump of members of the terror watch list was six. The number six. Right now under Biden, we're at 151. 151, those are the ones that we know of. Members of the terror watch list. That doesn't count the additional 1.7 million people that have gotten away. So at a time when you've got people chanting death to America, I want to blow up you and your allies, and they're literally blowing up our allies. We've let 1.7 million people go unaccounted for in our society right now. We have no idea where they came from or what they want to do here. And again, I have great empathy for people who want to come to this country and make a better life, but I have a lot more empathy for the people who want to do it legally because everybody crossing this border illegally right now is making it easier for terrorists to go undetected into our country. And, of course, they're only taking advantage of what? A policy put in place by an administration that was more concerned with the political cost than the personal cost to the people on the border and the people living in the interior of the country. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America Last. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are expecting the president of the United States to speak at the top of the next hour. They're shooting them up with B12 as we speak. 
making sure all of his words are okay with the Chinese Communist government. <laughs> it's such a time to be alive. Biden looks weak on the world stage. We need him to have a moment right here. Like I said, I didn't vote for him. I root for the president no matter who it happens to be because as they go, we go. I understand this is a long shot in Vegas, but we need a solid performance out of Biden. And I will give you a fair, unvarnished take in the next hour. Daniel gives you his right now. He's down in Kentucky. Daniel! Hey, Jimmy, thanks for the line. Uh, (laughs) Better He better mention the the American hostages, the American dead. And and I'm very worried. I was on the ship number five when you mentioned uh, perception is reality and carrying a big stick. Our our motto was Pax per potens, peace through power. Yep. We got this guy. The perception is he's he's incompetent. Yeah. He's weak. So forget the forget the policy. But on the border, you got three kinds: legal, illegal. But they turn themselves in. Why they get free stuff? But the ones like you said, the Godaways, 1.7 million. Just one percent of them with bad intentions is 17,000. We got to get the border secured. We got to get Biden out of there. We don't have time for the the Biden crime family. That's long term. Get yeah. him out of there because China's going to move on Taiwan. I appreciate your time. God yeah. bless you, Jimmy. Good, and, and, good uh, stuff, Daniel. God bless America, brother. Daniel. Daniel 2024. I'll vote for you. Go get him. There he goes. Here are the numbers at the southern border, just so you get the urgency of what Daniel is saying. Talking about countries that house known terror groups. 538 people at the border that we know of from Syria. 139 that we know of from Yemen. 659 people that we know of from Iran, you know, the place that chanced death to America and just financed the attack on Israel. Iraq, 123. These are known at the border, okay, that we have apprehended. There are 1.7 million people out there that we don't know of, is the point. And the guy responsible for all of it, and it is an abject dereliction of duty, will be speaking at the top of the next hour. Hopefully the drugs kick in so we can start this on time. Don't go anywhere. We will carry the president's speech live and translate it into English right here on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Back in action on Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, president scheduled to speak at 1 p.m. sharp, according to the White House. About seven minutes behind schedule right now. Either they're waiting for the B-12 to kick in or he's still being lobbied by the members of the Democratic squad. You know, they're demanding he say hip, hip, hooray for Hamas. I don't know that he's going to sign off on that. But, man, is it a disgusting time in our politics? we got 40 babies that we know of dead among 200-plus in one individual Israeli village where Hamas came through and ravaged and killed parents and entire families and set them on fire. It's barbaric. It's awful. Uh, But it's something we will address as a radio family because this thing needs to be confronted head on. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you want to help me do some of the confronting. Uh, And we are, of course, going to take the president's remarks live. Uh, My guess is for real, uh, they must seriously have him, you know, they're probably fitting him for a shock collar because the stakes are way too high for him to go off script right now. You know what I'm saying? If he starts riffing, you know, my favorite band growing up was the Hamas and the Papas. That sort of. Come on, man. That sort of thing. You know, Okay, we don't know. You know, he showed up in Hawaii and made a joke. Yeah, I know what you're going through. I almost had a fire that took out my Corvette and my cat. Okay, things he mistakes for empathy 
in this day and age oftentimes belittle the suffering. So it's a really high-stakes moment for him to get out there. Okay, but we are expecting him to go out there. I don't know whose idea this was, but if we're going to bash the White House for calling a lid and holding a barbecue on Sunday, uh, we should also acknowledge the fact that they are willing to address the world in this moment. I don't expect him to take questions, but he should take questions, even if it's the scripted press conferences we're used to seeing where they give him the questions and the people ahead of time and he pretends he's calling on them spontaneously until he accidentally acknowledges that he's been given a list and told who to call on. We have a president that is clearly not all there. But again, if you want terrorists, barbarians, to believe, to take you seriously, okay, you're going to have to. You're going to have to take questions. No serious person thinks you can stand up to terrorists if you can't stand up to the reporters who, by and large, are all from your own party anyway. It's not like he's going to take hard-hitting questions right now. Okay, any serious question they've been asked, they've filibustered with nonsense. Oh, we gave Iran $6 billion. But it's not going towards any of the terror attacks. <laughs> you know, just because you put something $6 billion extra in someone's savings account doesn't mean they're going to spend more money out of their checking account. That is a fact check false. The White House knows they've, they have appeased Iran. Okay, they have emboldened terror groups around the world with their actions, trying to be an extension of the Obama doctrine, which is, hey, you know, those people who want to blow us up. Well, maybe if we give them enough money, instead of spending it on blowing us up, maybe, maybe they'll give us their word that they won't enrich uranium and they'll just pocket our money and they'll walk away. That was the calculation made in Washington country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. Okay, Biden, I don't know when he's going to get out there and speak. They were just showing B-roll of him on Fox News. It it got me. I was like, he's going, Josh. He's not going. They were showing B-roll because, you know, when you're covering a big story like this, you'll start to see the faces of the story. Carnage of scenes in Israel. And then you've got John Kirby talking to Martha McCallum, and they had flashed the Biden briefly, got us all excited to think they were actually going to start one of these on time. Like, hey, you guys, we're on the brink of world war. Okay, punctuality would look good on a president right now, like if he actually showed up on time. You know what I mean? Tell him like it is. Okay, well, to be fair, I shouldn't be playing an Obama soundbite because he wasn't exactly Mr. Punctuality himself. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But seriously, this relaxing standard of decorum in our country. Okay, I'm telling you, this little stuff matters. Biden expected to address the world at 1 p.m. That's what the world was told. Biden's coming out at 1 p.m. sharps. The leader of the free world, the mighty America, The most powerful man on the planet is coming to town 1 p.m. He's going to be behind the microphone. You're not going to believe this. And then now 11 and a half minutes late and we have no Biden. Okay, and honestly, people are speculating. What do you think is going on? China coming over the speech. Are we waiting for the B-12 to kick in for real? What are they shooting him up with this time around? 
Because when Biden gives speeches, oftentimes like the State of the Union, they hop him up on drugs. I know this. I used to be a cab driver. You drive people around. You can always tell when people are hopped up on pills or some type of an injection because you see unnatural quirks in their personality. And it becomes more pronounced when they have dementia. Like I can tell you my late great uncle, Sonny, just, I mean, oh, man, if you were top three humans, you'd ever be lucky enough to meet. Like my uncle Sonny was just great, really funny, really generous. But an adult child, like, loved to play with little kids. Like, for real, Lincoln, uh, you know, whenever Sonny would come over, he'd throw footballs to the kids. He'd always have a scotch in his left hand and a football in his right hand. And for real, like, I had to explain to Lincoln's football coach. I'm like, he's not going to catch a pass unless you have a doers in your hand on the rocks. <laughs> if you got a doers on the rocks, he'll catch the pass. Other than that, you can have a problem. But my uncle Sonny, my late great uncle Sonny, wound up in a memory care unit uh, because he had uh, – ultimately an advanced bout with dementia during the pandemic. He was home alone, not going to the gym, not getting out to play golf, watching a lot of TV, and his brain kind of atrophied, and it became more pronounced, and he wound up in a memory care unit. But my Uncle Sonny would have these spasms of energy where he would once in a while just blurt out things with a lot of energy. Sometimes he would just randomly run around the nursing home because he was a former Marine who was still in shape. He was an active guy. Even after sitting home during the pandemic, he didn't do a lot of eating, and he was still in shape. So he'd be in the nursing home, and it would turn into the Benny Hill Show. Do you remember the Benny Hill Show where they would chase him around, everybody would be following, and my Uncle Sonny would just go running. And now all of a sudden a bunch of chubby nurses had to try to catch this ex-Marine who was just running sprints around the nursing home. i got to be honest with you, it's a little bizarre, but me and Lincoln were laughing our asses off because it was still funny. There was still a human element to the whole thing, and it was funny. But anyway, when you're up close and personal with someone in your family that you hold in such high regard and you see them go through this advanced stage of dementia, you can diagnose it pretty easily when it's on other people. And when you see Biden talking in public and he randomly starts whispering for no idea, no reason, or he starts screaming for no reason, you know, you start to go, oh, that's a little bit of what, you know, Uncle Sonny had. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Totally. So when Biden gives these big speeches and he has these little spasms of screaming or whispering, my guess is they've hopped him up with some bonus energy. Okay, I've had, you know, doctors come on the show and say it's true. Now, to be clear, none of them have diagnosed him. This is my own horse sense. But the fact remains, there's a reason the president of the United States was scheduled to speak 14 minutes ago and he hasn't made his way onto the stage yet. Bingo. Okay, maybe they're getting some some new intel and they'll say we apologize. Just as I was getting ready to speak, we found this out. And I'd take him at his word on that, save for the fact that this happens every time he's supposed to speak. Every time he's supposed to be. They don't start on time. Nothing goes on time. It's like, you you know, they tell you 1 o'clock Eastern. They might have meant Central. Maybe we should have clarified. But the point is they get out there late, and that looks weak. And then they get out there, and they don't take questions. That looks weak. People watching on the other side of the world that are harming our allies, that are emboldened by what we've done in Afghanistan, okay, they don't take their cues from the media. When Biden gives his speech today and they trot out a panel and Jake Tapper says everybody did great and they were blown away by Biden's leadership. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. And by people, I mean the folks that want to harm us. If people think we have a president, if people think we have a leadership class in this country that is not to be messed with, believe me, Russia ain't in Ukraine. Okay, Hamas isn't paragliding into Israel. China hasn't encircled Taiwan. 
Okay, none of that is going on right now. Why? Because if we had a real leadership class, we wouldn't have left Afghanistan with $85 billion of our weapons in the possession of a terror group. Again, when you talk about the cost of electing a traditional politician, okay, Joe Biden is a guy who previously ran for president on you can't leave the weapons behind in Afghanistan. You can't do it. Okay, but the only president who ultimately did it, the only one who ultimately did it, was him. Here is Biden. Fascinating. Okay. This is a 2007 Joe Biden running for president saying we can't leave behind weapons in the Middle East. We left behind $85 billion worth of weapons. But here is his previous position on that when he was running for president, clip 18. And it makes a big difference to tell the American people the truth about what our options are in ending this war. If tomorrow the order goes out from the president, I'm president of the United States, I issue an order. End the war today, begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. Do you hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. Imagine that. And then he comes back as president of the United States. And what's he do? He leaves the weapons behind. I mean, good goodness. It's so embarrassing because people on the world stage are aware of the malleable positions. People on the world stage are aware of weakness in our leadership. They're looking for any crack. When you want to take on America, when you want to take on the mightiest fighting force the world has ever known, the people who actually stabilize the world with the very mention of our strength, with strength. Do you remember when like kids were playing and your dad was just like, hey, knock it off. And they'll be like, all right, that was the end of it. It, it ended. OK, as America, we have the power to say to the world, hey. Knock it off. We might not even say it that way. You'd go, knock that off. That's how you'd hear it in my house. Or somebody would snap a belt down. Knock that and you'd stop. Okay, that's who we are as America. That's who we're supposed to be. And now they're blowing each other up. And you're not getting knock it off. You're getting 18 minutes late to address what's going on. This is embarrassing. And it's probably because they're waiting for the drugs to kick in. A quick break. We'll hope after this. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Now about 24 minutes late for Biden's speech. We're being told they were on the phone with Netanyahu. By they, they mean the people running the country. Uh, They now have to relay whatever they learned to Joe Biden, put it into a teleprompter in the largest font imaginable, and wait for the B-12 to kick in so we can get a speech out of the President of the United States. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. I promise this looks weak. And if you announce to the world that you're speaking at 1 o'clock, if they're going with the, well, we're on the phone with Netanyahu. I mean, they could have 
probably, I don't know, scheduled the phone call with Netanyahu a half hour earlier. I think he's got a point. Or if they knew Netanyahu wanted to take the phone call at a certain time, maybe schedule the press conference a little bit earlier. I think he's got a point. When you put the word on notice that this is happening at 1 o'clock and it doesn't happen, okay, the word that you give does diminish in the eyes of the world. And when you need the world to take your example seriously, okay, you can't continuously contradict what you've said to the world, okay? But this happens everywhere with Joe Biden, everywhere. Okay, Biden was getting in trouble yesterday because he was saying, oh, you know, we've still got commercial airlines that'll fly you out of Israel. (laughs) They had to correct that record. Why? Because that's not an option, sadly. Okay, what's going on in Israel is a disaster. Okay, we're in a real bad situation right now, funded by a lot of what Iran is doing. Okay, we didn't hear from our president. Okay, we're supposed to at some point, uh, but the banners on the TV have gone from Biden about to speak to anything but Biden about to speak. So I don't know what to tell you, but real leadership whether it was coming from anybody, would sound like what Nikki Haley said last night on Hannity. Here it is, clip 15. The U.N. is a farce. We saw the secretary general come out and say that we should do a ceasefire. And I would say at the Security Council when I was there is, would any of you do a ceasefire if this happened to you? But they expect Israel to act by a certain set of rules. I think Israel needs to eliminate Hamas without question. We think that we should go and tell every government that's within that territory, Lebanon, Syria, that they need to stay out of this. We need to make sure no taxpayer dollars go to any Palestinian entities or any U.N. entities that support Hamas. Okay, the only thing that people respect is strength. Okay, the only thing they respect is strength. The other, the auxiliary countries that also want to attack Israel, that also want to attack us, they respect strength. Appeasement has created this mess. Here's Kevin McCarthy on Capitol Hill saying as much. Clip 19. I see an overwhelming intelligence failure, but understand what transpired from one administration to the next. From the very first day of the Biden administration, they moved towards appeasement. Iran... Economically, their regime was in trouble. $4 billion in reserves, $70 billion today. 400,000 barrels being produced to $3 million today. Look at the price of oil as well, as, he, as this Biden administration attacks our own ability to produce. But watch what else happened. The shift to now start paying ransom for Americans, so more were captured. It's reality, okay? And I think Trump probably had the most concise take on all of it, clip 35. The Israeli attack was made because we are perceived as being weak and ineffective and with a le- a really weak leader. And That is correct. We, we do. We look weak. This looks bad right now, guys. Like, I, again, if Biden comes out and trashes the anti-Semitism in this party and says, we just talked to Netanyahu, we're putting the world on notice... We're going to mop the floor with Hamas. We're not putting up with this anymore. Perfect. I'll give him a good grade for the speech. Okay, but it looks weak that we're 30 minutes late right now. And when I hear that Kamala Harris was on the phone call, oh, goodness gracious. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha ha! Okay. Here is, I mean, man, you talk about a breaking point in the country. Okay, in terms of politics. It's never been more clear cut. 
okay, there is ne- this was not supposed to be sayable. Like, I should never be on a nationally syndicated talk show saying, hey, don't support the people who killed the civilians. Okay, but that's the reality within the Democratic Party right now. There are people like Biden who have expressed support for Israel, but again, they have also funded Iran. So when Biden says, oh, Israel, we got your back. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. But when you realize there are people within this party that are putting Palestinian flags in their offices like Rashida Tlaib did, like, dude, that's disgraceful. Okay, you can frame this conflict whatever way you want. It's not complicated. Okay, if one group paraglides into another country and attacks a dance party and rapes women and kills them and drags their bodies through the street and beheads babies, they don't deserve our consideration. They deserve the full force and fury of everything our military and the surrounding militaries have. That's the reality in this moment. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are awaiting remarks from the White House. We were told moments ago that the president and Kamala Harris were speaking to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, we don't know what will be incorporated into the speech. Uh, but joining us now is a guy with uh, quite a background in terms of what's going on in the Middle East and certainly what's going on here. He did, in fact, run counterterrorism for NYPD intelligence for 15 years. I'm talking about the great Paul Morrow. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? Oh, the Godfather line. Just when you thought you got out, they pulled you back in, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this is a story that's going to be with us our whole lives. It's never ending. There are little sort of, uh, you know, blips, a little bit of rest periods between them. But, uh, yeah. you know, we should never think that that whole thing over there is over. No, no, it's a mess. It's some, I was talking about you earlier on the show, and for once it had nothing to do with your alcohol consumption. Um, well, it's good to hear. Every once in a while, we, you know, we like to dress dress you up a little. But no, for, for real. Um, when you were, okay, forming a unit that was very much uh, in response to terror attacks here in New York City, I think there's one difference between then and now is that when we were attacked on 9-11, there were no elected officials responding to the attacks with, yeah, but... Is it a little bizarre to you to see people, I mean, elected congresswomen in this instance, expressing support for these attacks? Well, what the Palestinian movement and the anti-Israel movement, is a better way to put it, okay. did was a very clever and cognizant tactic, which is they aligned themselves with the progressive left. And as time went on, including ultimately BLM and all of that, mm-hmm. and if you look at the activists in New York City, which is, of course, um, you know, the the thing that, that it's the tail that wags the dog of America media-wise, mm-hmm. they align themselves with the folks who have characterized themselves as oppressed here, yeah. and they made common cause. And so what that has done is lodged in academia particularly – and uh, the the sort of uh, ground zero for that for a long time was Columbia University, uh, NYU. And then, of course, it spread across the country. And I'm sure there were other places that were in on the ground floor. But they made it the, a common cause. Mm-hmm. And so, consequently, folks that are in Congress now who would normally probably be a little bit more calculated in how they respond to these things feel like they have the side of the righteous 
on on their side, and so they make very unguarded and and very really sort of inopportune statements. Because if nothing else, if nothing else, read the room, man. I yeah. mean, you know, if you want to give a nuanced statement that there are two sides to this issue, sure, we get it. But when we're seeing videos of women being kidnapped, babies being killed, et cetera, et cetera, it's really not the time to start to get on your high horse. You know, give it a little time. As, as comedians say, too soon, too yeah. soon. That's too soon. <laughs> They're too sooning the squad. Paul Morrow is on the That's line. That's right. Retired NYPD inspector. Well, you know, when you talk about terrorism and you talk about, you know, what's going on abroad, you know, you can't really acknowledge one without acknowledging the other, which is here at the southern border. OK, when we're reading a congressional report that we have one point five million to one point seven million known gotaways at the border. And a lot of them originate from, you know, regions of the world where terror groups are home. Uh, you know, if you were running counterterrorism right now, is there any world where what's going on at the border isn't a dereliction of duty? It's travesty. Yeah. And let me tell you, back back when I, you know, I'm about four years removed now mm-hmm. from when I was running the counterterrorism ops. And I can tell you that somebody who came over the border from a Middle Eastern country or an area that was known to have a terrorist element, let's say East Africa or Al-Shabaab or something like that, that set off every bell in the world because it was so rare. Mm-hmm. And most of these groups don't really project power that far. Yeah. So for some of these groups that really are are not capable mm-hmm. of, of projecting that far, to have somebody come over the border with ill intent, and you would get it, but it was very rare. Mm-hmm. For the numbers for that we're seeing now <clears throat> to be what they are, absolutely astounding. I can't convey to you what a sea change that is. Yeah, You know, every bell in the world would go off locally, federally, et cetera. I was in a task force, so I was dealing with the feds all the time. If we got somebody who said, hey, this guy came across the border and he's clicking a number of buttons here that we really don't like, mm-hmm. there would be a scramble from here to Washington, literally. And wow. there would be all sorts of mechanisms in place. The idea that we have now people in the hundreds yes. who check those boxes is unfathomable. And it really does show you, as Dana Perino said at the debate, and give her credit for great prescience, man. Mm-hmm. She said at the debate, the further we get from 9-11, the closer we get to 9-10. And I think we're seeing that play out now. That's a great, that's a great point. We're talking to retired NYPD Inspector Paul Morrow. Uh, because building on what you just said, when Malusian was reporting earlier on Newsroom about we've had 538 people come across from Syria that we know of, 139 from Yemen, 659 from Iran. OK, it's probably not possible for them to be here with some type of a proxy that has a motivation to get them here. I mean, would that be your assessment? The problem now mm-hmm. is that the people that we're talking about, Iran, yeah. Hamas, Hezbollah, mm-hmm. let's make it that triumvirate, yeah. they, they are state actors. Mm-hmm. So Iran is a state, right? Yes. Hezbollah technically is not the state of Lebanon, but it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Hamas is a the state in Gaza. Mm-hmm. We fund all these people, yeah. as you know, every, the world is waking up to now, but that's been going on for a long time. I mean, Yasser Arafat's wife used to live in Paris on $3 million a year. That came from us. I mean, it went through the U.N., but you yeah. and I both know who <laughs> supplied them. So the the bottom line is that we are funding our own demise here. And when you have state actors and state power, you can project that far. And so this is not a bunch of junior jihadis potentially running around reading the Internet, which is a danger. Don't get me yeah. wrong. And that was the ISIS model. Mm-hmm. But now you're talking about state actors. Hamas and Hezbollah have traditionally not been very active on the home front. Mm -hmm. I fear that we're going to start to see 
some activity here that we haven't seen in a very long time. And the difference this time is, as I said, you have state actor tradecraft and resources behind it. Now, I saw, Jimmy, uh, I can just, you know, I still have a lot of contacts in this world. Uh I've been getting stuff sent to me that is bouncing around over there. Uh And on the Telegram channels that Hamas is using, they're putting out very slick ISIS-like videos. And they are recruitment videos, make no mistake. And those are global recruitment videos. So I, you know, right now everybody's very content to say, hey, it's all happening over there. This was a failure on our part as well. If Iran knew, which certainly they did, that means the Russians probably knew. The Egyptians apparently warned the Israelis. We didn't double tap that. The Israelis at that point should have said, turn to us and say, you guys picking anything up? None of our three-letter agencies seem to have been on it. This is our failure as well, yeah. and we may end up paying the price for this on some level, just as the Israelis are. Yeah, that's the part that's really kind of spooked me, is because you've seen places where they haven't kept a close eye on immigration in other parts of Europe wind up with these types of you know little terrorist insurgent moments. We've seen them in Paris and other parts of the region. Scary stuff, Paul Morrow. Uh, so let me ask you this. Okay, Biden gets out of bed tomorrow and rings the Morrow residence. Okay, I mean, hopefully he waits till at least noon with your nightlife, but let's assume it comes a little one, early. 1 like, p.m., 1 p.m. 1 p.m., 1 p.m. Eastern. Well, lucky for you, he doesn't do anything on time. So if he no, tells you 1 p.m., <laughs> it's 1.43 right now. But he calls tomorrow. What what can we be doing in this moment? Like, what would be a what would be a now move? I don't I, I don't believe it's going to stop things immediately. I just mean, what is a now move? You know. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Mm-hmm. You have to look back, let's say, at nine twelve, mm-hmm. and say, okay, what did we do then? And that doesn't mean you're going to go full-throated in all directions, all right, because obviously it's a different sort of threat. But first of all, first and foremost, obviously, you got to secure the border, mm-hmm. all right, because when you know we were doing this stuff post-9-11, the, uh, as I said, the, the risk was the uh, metastasization mm-hmm. of the threat. People getting it online and the social media blew up. That was the vector that you were concerned about. Locals being radicalized online and going kinetic, to use the, the, you know, the sort of amorphous federal term. Mm-hmm. Now we have a pipeline for them to insert people unobserved. Yeah. That didn't exist back then. So you got to stop the bleeding there first. Then you got to throw a lot of resources into the cyber world, and you got to start really looking at where they're reaching out from over there. Because again, I'm talking home front now. I'm yeah. not talking about geopolitics. What mm-hmm. goes on over there goes on over there. That's somebody else's problem from where I sit. Yeah. But on the home front, the border, the cyber world, and you got to start reaching out locally, and you got to start asking yourselves again, who might mean us harm here? Because they are here. You know, you're going to get the copycats. That's the risk here on the home front. Hezbollah is capable of a little bit more than Hamas traditionally. But you got to ask yourself, who are the copycat potentials here? And in some cases, these are not, Jimmy, these are not big, deep, dark, Jack Bauer sort of operations. You can knock on the door and say, hi, I'm NYPD. Can you tell me anything? You have common law right to inquire. They can slam the door in your face. But what happens is they know, wow. The, pe- the cops know who I am. Yeah. The, the the FBI knows who I am. They're allowed to ask me questions, but they know about me. I wonder who gave me up. And you know what happens then? They start to see you behind every rock. They feel observed. And yeah. maybe you can tamp things down a little bit. Yeah, you got to apply that. And price. I should say, by the way, just to, to caveat it, sorry, you also have to reach out to the good actors. Yeah. 
you know, we did a lot of reach out. Uh, we didn't do it through Intel because you don't want them to feel like you're trying to turn them into spies. But we did a lot of community outreach. And that was one of the reasons why in New York we didn't have a lot of the problems people thought we were going to. Because yeah. we made common cause with the good people who realized we had nothing to do with it. You know, during George Floyd, we were all walking around. I was out there saying, what do we have to do with George Floyd? We have nothing to do with this. Yeah. You want people saying the same thing here relative to over there, that, you know, the New York City, NYPD, the targets here had nothing to do with what's going on over there. This is not your fight. And, you know, leave us out of it, essentially. Yeah, that that would be ideal. Uh, I, I don't know that I have the stomach for another pro-Palestinian rally in Times Square today. What a mess. Yeah, I but know. That's... I know. And we're going to look, get used to them. This thing's going to be going on a while. Yeah. History has taught us, you know, the six-day war was six days Yom Kippur was longer. I think this one's going to be longer than the two of them put together. Good goodness. Who's ready for some comedy? Uh, listen, man, you you have not broken my spirit. I'm still doing my one-hour special this Friday night in Huntington. If the purpose of this call was to get me to not go through with it, you have failed. No, I'm going to go there. I'm going to be right there in the front, and when you hear somebody heckling you mercilessly, you'll <laughs> recognize that. the voice. Paul. How great would that be, though? It's like my big night, my big special, and I actually just have like a militant heckler. <laughs> it would actually be kind of funny. I'm, I'm not right encouraging on, this. I'm just, I'm just saying. If it, if, it, if it happens late in the game, though, you're not getting a Biden response. You're going to get a Trumpian response is all I'm telling you. <laughs> Let Listen. me apologize in advance. I'm sorry. But <laughs> you're the best. Thanks, brother. We'll do it again soon. The great Paul Morrow. There he goes. There we go back after this. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The president was scheduled to speak at 1 p.m. All right, so he's running a little late. Maybe he'll speak at like 1.15. No. All right, 1.30. Maybe, I mean, it wouldn't be more than a half hour late, right? We are now 52 minutes in. Okay. Past the deadline. The White House said Biden will speak at 1. Put the world on notice. 1 p.m. Eastern time here in America. Tune in for the forceful words of the president of the United States of America. Still hasn't happened yet. That was embarrassing. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if they're, again, they tried sending out an email to the news networks. We all got an email a short while ago about, to be clear, 35 minutes ago, saying the president and Kamala Harris were on a phone call with Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, But that phone call, according to the email, had ended. And we're 35 minutes later. We still don't have the president of the United States. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Okay, there's a certain level of, like, decorum. I know this sounds like I'm harping, but it's stuff matters. Like, I would tell this to my kid. Like, if you're going on a job interview, tuck in your shirt. You know, look the guy in the eye when you shake his hands. Be on time. Those little things show a level of respect for the circumstances. When you don't adhere to them, it demonstrates a lack of respect for the circumstances. Now, I am not discounting the fact that they might get out there and give us a good reason for why they're running late. The problem is they're always running late. So it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt in this moment. We're sitting here right now 
54 minutes past the point the president was supposed to speak. We don't actually have clarification. We have, ah, oh, we'll get to it when we get to it. That's what we have right now. Okay. We're being told that we're upping our military aid. Uh, Biden and Kamala spoke with Netanyahu. Apparently, Boeing is going to be sending smart bombs over to Israel. We've got a carrier strike group that's headed out to the eastern Mediterranean Sea. But do we actually have a president of the United States announcing this? The answer would be no. It looks so weak. Again, he could get out there, and I'll, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt when he does. You have to deduct points for punctuality unless otherwise explained away in acceptable fashion. But when he gets out there, it's very important that we get a wholehearted condemnation of what went on and we get a full-throated support for Israel. No, yeah, but. I don't want to hear it's complicated because there is no moral equivalence. One side attacked women and babies and killed them. Innocent civilians paraglided into a dance party and killed everybody. Everybody they didn't kill got raped and taken hostage. Okay. Israel responding militarily on military installations is not the equivalent of Hamas launching an unprovoked attacks on civilians. I agree with that. I don't know that he does. It took him a long time to condemn this, but he did give Obama credit for eventually speaking out. Okay, but the reality is the very this it looks weak in this moment for the country. And you know, I told you we would carry this live and we hope to carry it live in the next hour. And we're going to listen to it. We're going to give the president a chance. I'm not here to get you mad at the president. I want him to do well. Okay, I don't think he's doing well. I don't think it's going well here in the country. But the hook of this show is I'm pretty upfront with you about the fact that I'm not an activist. I'm a talk show host. I do need the president to do well. I have a wife and a kid, and I don't have a lot of intellectual talent. (laughs) I need a rising tide to lift all boats, but especially the one I happen to be on. You know, you guys all say things like, oh, you know, you might be smarter than you give yourself credit for, Jimmy. You're always making fun of yourself on the air. It's not true. Uh, I am. This is a true thing. There's a curse in life. Me and my buddy Dean Imperial have this. Uh, We are. This is real. Okay, we're conversationally smart, conversationally smart. You could talk to us. You're like, wow, that guy's really on top of it. He's really got it all figured out. We're conversationally smart. We sound smart in conversation, but then we walk away from you and do very stupid things. Okay, we are not geniuses. I don't get on the air being like, oh, no, I'm telling you, I got it. What I have is the slightest, like an ounce of self-awareness, not full self-awareness, because if I had full self-awareness, I wouldn't be wearing half of the things I wear on TV. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No, I do. I just don't have it 24 hours a day. If I had it all day, we'd be much better off. But right now, it's about respect for our country. The banner that was up when we went to break an hour ago about Biden about to speak at the White House is still up right now. If this administration were an Elvis Presley song, it would be off the Suspicious Minds LP. It would be called Any Day Now. Any day now, the President of the United States is going to start to speak. And any day after that, he might actually complete a sentence with punctuation and everything. No promises. Don't get your heads up, your uh, hopes up. But we will end the hour uh, the same way we ended the last one, waiting for the President of the United States to speak. Hopefully we'll have an update on that when we come back on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, back in action, big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener. 
at 888-788-9910. I might need some company because we were told the president was going to speak. That was an hour and seven minutes ago. The White House claims there was a phone call to Benjamin Netanyahu, which I don't doubt to be true. But if there was a phone call to Benjamin Netanyahu about the direction we're going in in the war, Biden didn't need to be honest. I think he's got a point. The point is the guy's not in charge. This is a mess. It's a time for strength on the world stage. And I don't know if the world looks at our president and deduces strength from rhetoric like this. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they look at that and go, no, that's that's a guy. That's a guy you don't want to mess with. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true and international effort to pressure. You know that guy that you can't play in Scrabble? Because you're like, that's not a word. <laughs> that's a guy we don't want to mess with. It's bad. Okay. We're still sitting here. The banner is back up on the Fox News channel. Soon, Biden remarks as Hamas kills 11 Americans, which is disgusting and despicable. You know, unless you are a member of certain left-wing academia, in which case you have cheered on Palestine. You know, I make fun of myself all the time for going to community college, and I tell you this all the time. Community college is a brilliant move. You get some cheaper, affordable credits. If you plan to go to a bigger school, you don't get besieged with two years of hating America and saddled with unimaginable levels of debt. Or you can get, you know, two-year associate's degrees like I did and, you know, follow them into other career pursuits. But community college is a brilliant move. That being said, I always made fun of myself because I didn't go to community college because I was being pragmatic. I went to community college because I was lucky to get out of high school alive. Like, I was a mess. Oh, I say this all the time. But understand, I, for as much as I like to make fun of myself about community college, I've never been prouder to have gone to a community college than I am when I look out at the Ivy League response to what is going on in Israel. With group after group, I mean, what they put out at Harvard, Larry Summers, to his credit, a president emeritus at Harvard, said he's never been more embarrassed by their statement of support for Palestine. And it's a lot of members of left-wing academia that are trying to portray this as, you know, it's an occupation by Israel. They're war criminals again and again and again. Israel is not launching unprovoked attacks on religious holidays against unarmed people. Okay, the other side is. One is not the other. But when you try to start taking these positions of their minority groups, they're oppressed, and you start aligning them with groups like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, their official Chicago chapter, tweeted out moments before we came back on the air, a paraglider, you know, a Palestinian paraglider landing in Israel to start the killing, Black Lives Matter, posting an image of a paraglider with a, that's it, that's the whole tweet. Garbage like you just makes me sick. And why are they doing that? They're trying to show solidarity with Palestine and this false narrative that they're the oppressed group here because they can fundraise off of that exact narrative. Money, 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 money. Black Lives Matter made tons of money in the summer of 2020. Did they reinvest it in any of those marginalized communities? The answer would be no. Nope. They bought mansions mansions for them and their family 
They don't actually have an accountant. The chapter has seen leadership turnover because every time someone asks for some type of business record or accounting for the money they were given, what do they say? That's racist. He can't be sending me these 1023 forms from the IRS. Come on, man. And that's what they did. Straight clown stuff. (laughs) And now they're out there again. We stand with Palestine. Why? Because people in left-wing academia will be like, yeah, BLM. And at Northwestern, where they put out a statement trashing Israel, Chicago's BLM chapter can now align with that sentiment, and they can put up a donation link. Pay up, suckers. It's so sick. I mean, again, this is the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. Okay, everything because of social media has become a perpetual branding exercise. And some people think it's good branding to be like, I'm with Palestine. And that's how they look at this. They look at this as they're aligning with the oppressed groups. But in order to do so, you have to overlook the fact that they're the ones doing the oppression. Bingo. Okay, what they are unleashing on people is unfathomable. Okay, some of it I really don't like to say on the air. Okay, it needs to be said because you have to confront this sort of thing head on. But as we sit here on the brink of a wider spread conflict, there's also the reality that our strategic petroleum reserves are at the lowest point in 40 years because the guy who happens to be in the Oval Office, okay, decimated them in an effort to lower his poll numbers. Strategic petroleum reserves, they were meant for war. They were meant for an act of God, but Biden went out and tapped into them because he wanted to artificially lower the price of gas. Why? Because if he just boost production and let the laws of supply and demand sort it out, he was going to lose the support of his party. You know, the environmental wing that kind of runs this party for him, the green energy agenda that has the president out there with a straight face speaking through John Kirby and saying that climate change is still the biggest existential threat, forget nuclear war. Do you know how bonkers and embarrassing that is to the rest of the world when you show them your politics, okay, when you're that transparent about what you're concerned with, which is your agenda, which is your politics and not your people? Here is the Kirby clip with Martha, clip five. Does the president stand by that comment? Absolutely, he does. Climate change is an existential threat. It could, you know, it actually threatens and is capable of wiping out all human life on Earth uh, over time. I mean, that's I don't know how more existential you can get to that. But that doesn't mean that we walk away from our obligations, our national security interests in very dangerous parts of the but John, world. You mentioned he, he said it was more frightening than a nuclear war. Is that it's more frightening than a nuclear war in this moment? The president believes wholeheartedly that climate change is an existential threat to the all of human life on the planet. That's just science. That's a fact, Martha. But it doesn't mean that we turn our back on the other challenges facing this country and our allies and partners around the world. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. <laughs> Bill Murray's delivery is so good, Kingpin. But man, I mean, what? A nuclear war? Okay, wipes out civilization tomorrow. We have no idea if climate change is real. We don't actually know. You know the old adage when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. Put up or shut up. Okay, they won't put up. They don't shut up. The reality is they pound the table when it comes to climate change. 
Vote our way or you're a murderer. People are going to die. That's what they do. Okay, but you understand their projections have been wrong at every turn. You should lose the microphone after. Like, you should have to at least sit out around. Okay, if you spent the 70s telling us we were going to freeze to death, you spent the 80s telling us we were going to melt, and neither one of those have happened, you shouldn't have gotten the microphone in the 90s. He knows what he's talking about. But they got it. Ah, oh, well, we went from freezing to melting to now we're really going to melt. To, all right, well, none of that happened, but it's climate change. You see, the weather's changing all the time. That's the problem. Democrats are so full of crap. But they're good at fundraising. And when you got Biden out there saying, well, you know, the economy, the green energy agenda, the climate change, okay, it's the only existential threat. Here was Biden saying it. He said it in Vietnam. If you remember, Biden spoke September 10th in Vietnam when he was supposed to be headed back to America for 9-11. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And he spent 9-11 in Alaska, first United States president to do so. Remember the president who ran by saying empathy was on the ballot? We're going to get empathy back into the Oval Office. Also, we're skipping 9-11. Here it is, clip four. The only existential threat humanity faces, even more frightening than a, than a nuclear war, is global warming going above 1.5 degrees in the next 20, 10 years. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Now, they know better. Even like a pudding-brained old coot like him, he knows. Nuclear war is worse than climate change, okay? He knows that. But the party that runs him, the people who send the plays into the huddle, the iTunes user agreement, hey, Joe, scroll to the bottom of this long agreement, just click I agree, do what we tell you. You want that pudding cup, yes or no? Come on, man. All right, great. I'll scroll to the bottom and click I agree. Okay, they are the environmental wing of his party, okay, that trot out laughably unserious statements like climate change is a bigger existential threat than nuclear war. A nuclear war could wipe out every life on the planet. We don't even know if climate change is real. So how do you make that argument if you're a serious person? The answer is you don't. That's why in moments like this, it really is concerning because I'll sit here and root for the country. I want things to go well. Okay, even if the person I voted for doesn't win, I still want something, you know, good to happen for this country. But right now, if a war conflict were to go further and to heaven forbid involve a greater involvement from American troops, we have taken the oil reserves set aside to make sure we can get through a conflict like that and we have gotten them down to their last 17 days of supply. Like if we were just running on our strategic reserves, we have 17 days worth of oil right now. Do you think maybe there's a world where the people who wish us harm, where the people who want to attack our allies happen to know what we've done to the reserves? I think he's got a point. Yes, the point is we have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. It's crazy to watch. Okay, there's never been a dumber time to be alive than right now. Okay, we were talking about the southern border before. Paul Morrow, who was the head of the NYPD counterterrorism unit after 9-11, talked about the fact that they've let 1.7 million people cross the southern border. He said when he was running counterintelligence for the NYPD, if you got one person from a region that was a, a breeding ground for terrorism, they scrambled the jets, all hands on deck from New York to Washington, these terror groups don't have a global reach. If a guy is here, it's a problem. 
Now you're getting hundreds of people from those regions coming into the country, and the border remains open. You know how they say defense wins championships? We've got people running this country now that aren't playing any defense. They're still fighting over whether or not we have an offensive mascot. My goodness gracious, enough of the woke Washington. Everything woke turns to A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The news networks were just given a two-minute warning from the White House to have our cameras ready and trained on the podium because the president of the United States now here to deliver remarks on the situation in Israel. We take you to the White House Live. It's unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. It's unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. The bloody hands of the terrorist organization Hamas a group whose stated purpose for being is to kill Jews. This is an act of sheer evil. More than 1,000 civilians slaughtered, not just killed, slaughtered in Israel. Among them, at least 14 American citizens killed. Parents butchered using their bodies to try to protect their children. Stomach-turning reports of being babies being killed. Entire families slain. Young people massacred while attending a musical festival to celebrate peace. To celebrate peace. Women raped, assaulted, paraded as trophies. Families hid their fear for hours and hours, desperately trying to keep their children quiet to avoid drawing attention. And thousands of wounded alive but carrying with them the bullet holes and the shrapnel wounds and the memory of what they endured. You all know these traumas never go away. There's still so many families desperately waiting to hear the fate of their loved ones, not knowing if they're alive or dead or hostages. Infants in their mother's arms, grandparents in wheelchairs, Holocaust survivors abducted and held hostage. Hostages whom Hamas has now threatened to execute in violation of every code of human morality. It's abhorrent. The brutality of Hamas, these bloodthirstiness brings to mind the worst, the worst rampages of ISIS. This is terrorism. But sadly, for the Jewish people, it's not new. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. And we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself, and respond to this attack. There's no justification for terrorism. There's no excuse. Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. Its stated purpose is the annihilation of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. 
They use Palestinian civilians as human shields. Moss offers nothing but terror and bloodshed with no regard to who pays the price. It's President Biden speaking live at the White House right now, single-handedly loosening the vote of Ivy League colleges around the country as we speak. Like every nation in the world, Israel has the right to respond, indeed has a duty to respond to these vicious attacks. I just got off the phone with a third call with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I told him, the United States experience and Israel experiencing our response to be swift, decisive, and overwhelming. We also discussed how democracies like Israel and the United States are stronger and more secure when we act according to the rule of law. Terrorists purposely target civilians, kill them. We uphold the laws of war, the law of war. It matters. There's a difference. Today, Americans across the country are praying for all those families that have been ripped apart. A lot of us know how it feels. It leaves a black hole in your chest when you lose family. Feeling like you're being sucked in. The anger, the pain, the sense of hopelessness. This is what they mean by a human tragedy. An atrocity on an appalling scale. We're going to continue to stand united supporting the people of Israel who are suffering unspeakable losses and opposing the hatred and violence of terrorism. My team has been in near constant communication with So that's Israeli the president. Partners. We're going to come back and pick this up if he is still world. speaking after the commercial break, but he has condemned terrorism. We congratulate him for that. No word for the people in his own party who'd signaled their support for Palestine, but we will monitor the speech during the break and we're back with Brian Brenberg after this on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. What a dumb time to be alive. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. President Joe Biden speaking at the White House moments ago. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. Uh, what did not happen was uh, any questions at all fielded from reporters. But we did get a made-up story about his first meeting with Golda Meir. And I only know and was able to ascertain that it was made up because as he was spinning this yarn at the podium, our next guest said, probably want to fact-check these references by the president. And sure enough, Brian Brenberg, what did the CNN 2021 fact check tell us? This is a CNN fact check from 2021. Okay, fact check. Biden tells inaccurate story about his 1973 meeting with Israeli prime minister. And that was posted on December 5th of 2021. So with the game on the line. okay, we got the president of the United States up there making up old man stories. We get no questions from reporters. The one thing I told Stuart Varney this morning on Varney's show, other than why did you book me on a day like today, the one thing I <laughs> He told... wasn't asking that to his producers. Usually that's the question. <laughs> why like, did you book Phelan? Who was stuck in traffic? Uh, <laughs> what satellite feed went down? Why am I on this TV set? Brian Bremberg. But the one thing I said to Varney, and I'm sure you felt the same way, is now is a time where we need to project strength. Yep. Above all else, we need strength. And you and I just watched that speech in its entirety 
there was no substance. I mean, did you watch that sensing that there was any direction other than hate is bad? You know, uh, he was late. And not only just late today, but, I mean, it had been two days since we'd heard from him. So the thinking is, well, it's because he's putting together something that's really going to help us understand what the next steps are. Because there are are pieces to this puzzle. You've Mm -hmm. got Gaza. You've got Hezbollah in Lebanon. You've got, of course, Iran, and that's probably the biggest, you know, long-term issue. Mm-hmm. So all the delay you're hoping is because he's going to have baked something yeah. on that front. Uh-huh. There was nothing in the oven. You know, <laughs> listen, I laugh as a coping mechanism uh, because that is just. Su- I mean, man, what you talk about a flop, like Brian Brenberg said, if you're just joining us. You waited for some type of you waited for him to articulate. Yes. We know who did this. We're coming to get you. He said, I have one word for people who want to attack our allies. Don't. Don't. Oh, in that case. <laughs> All right, we'll just we'll just take our rocket launchers and go home then. <laughs> the old man who just told the fake gold of my hair story just said, Don't do it. I, I mean, I was just you know, I was just trying to have a moment of lightheartedness yes. when I said that. And within uh-huh. ten seconds, it was proven to be the case that i mean i mm-hmm. what a, it's just an embarrassing moment for the country but you know as people who like legitimately care like we're guys in media who care we're new we appreciate our good fortune yep. we talk about this all the time we are mindful of the impact our broadcast has on the consumer okay i'd like to think i could get successful enough someday not to care I'm not there yet, okay? <laughs> I genuinely care. So when the president gets up to the podium, okay, whether you voted for him or not, you know I know. He's the starting pitcher. As he goes, we go. Yeah. Okay, we did not get a strong start out of our pitcher today. I, I give you this. I mean, he. there was some strength of language around these are atrocities. Yep. We didn't get so much of the both sides kind of business that mm-hmm. we get on this, and I'll, I'll give him some credit for yep. that. But, but you you got to have more from your president than that, yep. especially when there are really significant policy issues in play. Mm-hmm. Like, where did this money come from? And I'm not even talking about the six billion. Yeah, I'm talking about the forty billion in oil revenue. Thank you. So this is what I wanted to talk to you about, Brian Bremberg in studio, host of the Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network. Our Domestic energy production in a roundabout way is, I don't want to say we're financing this, but we're certainly enriching Iran, are we not? Well, what we should be doing Mm -hmm. is burying them. Yeah. With oil production. American oil. Yeah. What we should be suffocating their production because that's how they're actually paying for this. You know, we're having a debate about the six billion. That's not a good idea. Money is fungible. Mm Mm-hmm. But the money they're spending on this is the fact that their oil revenue was $60 billion in 2018 before Trump said we're done with this. Mm-hmm. It dropped to like seven mm-hmm. in 2019. It's, it's getting close to 40 to $50 billion again. That's how they're paying for all this. And it's because when gas prices went high, mm-hmm. the Biden administration said, you know those sanctions? Let's use discretion on those, yeah. which means – we're just going to back away and Plus let these guys the export them. And China was there saying, we'll take that. Of course. But 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 our policy 
has helped them finance what they're doing now. And that's the thing your president should have something to say about if he's going to take that long to say anything. Didn't even touch it. But you know what? As a silver lining guy, I can say, you know, with all of this going on, the nice thing is like you can look at the country and know that our strategic petroleum reserves have been properly managed. We're only at a 40-year low right now. So the actual guys, Brenberg and I, Brian Brenberg, host of the Big Money Show, okay, have been talking about this for a year. Okay, when the strategic petroleum reserves initially got raided, we're like, you know, they're for an act of war, right? Maybe Mother Nature, birthing person nature, inflicts some type of, you know, crimp on production. <laughs> now we're on the brink of World War III. We're out of strategic petroleum reserves because he used them to lower his poll numbers. Iran is just lower. That's exactly what he did. That's what he did. Or yeah, in a roundabout way, we thought they might raise them. Didn't work. I mean, people saw through the charade, but it lowered gas prices. And now here we are propping up their economy. And the end around is what you said. Okay, if we flood the zone with American oil, doesn't that in turn kind of kneecap them financially? I mean, they're sitting on more money than they know what to do with. Yeah. But would it not at least kneecap them going forward? Well, anything we could do to lower global oil prices would mm-hmm. hurt them, yeah. hurt them meaningfully. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, releasing strategic petroleum reserves doesn't do that. Yeah, that, That's not the answer. We have that. So if this thing gets really bad really quick in a really acute way, mm-hmm. you can tap into that. Of course, that's the strategic use of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. not the political use of it. But yes, we, f- we flood the zone. Mm-hmm. So you bring global prices down and they're just making less money on every barrel, which is what you want. And then- you go in with the sanctions that worked just a few years ago, uh-huh. and you say, and whatever you got there, you can't sell it. So there, there's a playbook for this. It's not yeah. an old – we're not going back – you don't have to go back to 83 for the yeah. playbook on this. This is-, <laughs> this is not like, you know – Sam Weish on the Bengals. Joe Montana okay. 49ers stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, whoever okay. the quarterback was for the 49ers in, in between. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Wasn't Brock Purdy. No, no Brock Purdy. Brian Brenberg is in studio. We're talking about 49ers quarterbacks because that's what you do. But no, for real, I get it. I completely get the analysis there. And it drives me crazy because when you watch this go on, it's just it's incompetence. But this is the concern I have. I think it's one of the reasons uh, Trump actually found his way to the Oval Office is that You know, people have lost so much faith in establishment politicians because of the fact that they're always consumed by the political cost of their actions, that you can kind of see it on their faces. And what I mean by that is on some level, I think there's a reluctance to acknowledge Iran's role in this because they're afraid of the political consequences of acknowledging that reality. And when you get like a guy like Kirby comes out on TV, oh, we don't really know. Or, you know, the six billion didn't go, you know, didn't spend it. But you said it earlier, money's fungible. And I look at it, I was distilling it to the audience this way, okay? Checking and savings, okay? If someone puts six billion in your savings account, you're gonna play looser ball in your checking you might account. Write a few checks. Yes. And I think that's what we're dealing with in this moment. Yeah, no, you, you are. And and it is politically it is so fraught to acknowledge what Iran's doing. One, because this administration helped to facilitate it. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. But number two, it's really, really messy. Yeah. 
it's just very messy. These guys are bad actors. Mm-hmm. They're ready to be bad actors. They're doing it. Yeah. And so you would actually have to exert leadership. You'd have to be energetic. You'd have to be pulling the world together. You'd have to be creative. You'd have to be out there. People would look at you as somebody who's helping the world see clearly what's going on. Yeah. And we we don't have a... No, he's not. You just watched the press. You just saw it. (laughs) We just got a made up story about gold in my air. Don't do it. I'm out of here. No questions. Like if you're a terror group uh, and you've got a president who's dealing with a press that's 99.4 percent liberal and he can't stand up to them. Do you really think as a terror group like we better not? It's so sad. Actually, you heard the press shouting the questions. Yeah, they were all good questions. Yeah, to their credit, they were trying to get good questions in there. Exactly the things you want to hear about. They were shouting at Adam and he turned his back. And gone. So that, yeah, I mean, you want to understand the timing of these things. We talk about the timing of these things. You can't ignore what you just saw in terms of the timing of why these things play out when they do. That is crazy. We're talking to Brian Brenberg, host of the Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network. Uh, Looking at this, you know, from a 20,000 foot view now, because there's a go forward on this. I mean, obviously, it's going to get pretty catastrophic in Israel. But there's this other cost to what we're doing uh, back here at the southern border. Where I was mm-hmm. just talking to Paul Morrow about this. So Paul Morrow, when he was running the NYPD's counterterrorism yeah. unit after 9-11, and it was, he was saying this earlier, something you don't hear a lot on the air, is that back then, if they had one person from a region that was a known harbor for terror groups at the southern border, they were like, whoa, because these groups don't have a global reach, so they wouldn't have the capacity. You don't just end up there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. And now you're looking at numbers of 538 from Syria. You know, you're the big numbers. I mean, you're talking thousands. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, when you start to hear those numbers and you hear 1.7 million gotaways at the southern border, we've talked at length about the financial cost of that and the strain it's put on our infrastructure. But in a never-forget world after 9-11, you know, are we starting to get to that place where we're far enough out that we are starting to, you know, lay the groundwork for another one in the sense that we're not playing enough defense? I think that's actually a great way to put it because I, I saw those numbers. I'd not, I mean, I, I guess Malusion just reported those today or they got yeah. leaked out today, but mm-hmm. th- th- those are the kind of numbers that tell you it's groundwork building, right? Yeah. So they're not walking in with, a, like you got to get people in, mm-hmm. in places mm-hmm. and then you coordinate on that. Yes. So, so that's exactly what I'm thinking is this is all foundational just get people in. Yeah. And they, and they know they can do it. And they don't even have to be on the terror watch list. They just have to be coming from the wrong countries. And they're coming from the wrong country. That's crazy. And it makes me think there's some type of proxy funding of this, like with a motivation to get them here. One way or the other. We don't have an answer. But what we know is they're getting in. Okay. Yep. You know, the old adage was defense wins championships. We now have an administration that's just fighting over what to call the mascot. We're not playing defense. That's We're so like, you true. know, the mascot's offensive. Yeah. We're like, yeah, you know, that doesn't matter, right? No. <laughs> it just does. It just doesn't matter. And that's what drives me crazy. So if as this, you know, rages on, you know, heartbreaking stuff that you're seeing out of that region, you know, and it's not going to get better anytime soon. Obviously, all of our sympathies are with the victims. Did you ever think you'd live in a yeah, but world like post 9-11? That's the one thing we had going for us is right, everybody you exactly. know, unilaterally condemned bin Laden and we got on with our lives. We, we had more clarity. Yeah. And we're in this like this happened and it wasn't even like it took time. I mean, within the same day, mm-hmm. you had these groups popping up with mm-hmm. without like an ounce of shame. I no, guess they're out there and saying, wow, a great thing happened today. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's 
this, I mean, my observation of what this is going to look like going forward is Israel has an incredibly hard slog ahead. And this yeah. is not a couple weeks, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of retaliation. I mean, this is a long, deep-rooted, clean it out. So if uh, in hour five of this happening, you're already getting the protesters in yeah. Times Square saying, great, you're, you, you know, the next day you're getting Harvard students. Yeah. 30 groups of them or something mm-hmm. saying yay for this. There, there's going to be a huge just moral battle to fight in the world to say Israel's got the right yeah. to defend itself. It's crazy because, you know, I was naive in that regard because I, I obviously knew that within the re- the region those hostilities existed. But I didn't think they were here. Like, I didn't think they Not were like here that, in this. Yeah. You know, in the kind of numbers they are. Well, actually, and it caught, I mean, you saw some of the reactions even from like Harvard profs who are definitely yeah. not on the right, mm-hmm. who were, they're on campus. Yes. And they're majorly caught us. Larry Summers is like, I don't recognize this. Place. I used to run it. Yeah. Well, and that's something to think about, but, <laughs> but I don't recognize it. It it's my listen, my mind is blown, man. It's a wild time. When I was talking about the protests yesterday in Times Square about the gay people supporting Hamas, I'm like, well, you know that's uh not a two way street, right? <laughs> it's uh chickens for KFC. Yes, I mean come bless your heart. On. <laughs> they they don't. Uh I was told we're allowed one moment of leisure discussion about your Minnesota twins before we go to break. So you got game three wow. against the Houston Astros. I mean, you want to talk about a team, okay? And I don't care who's listening in Texas right now, <laughs> okay? You want to talk about a team that unilaterally has the world support. It is the Twins. The Twins do. <laughs> Look, let's just be honest here. <laughs> Nobody. There's no yeah, but when it comes to the Astros and the sign stealing, you, you look at the Twins and they're just like they're the kind of they're the guys you want to tussle their hair a little bit. Yeah, yeah. boy, you go, yeah, go get them. Come on now, buddy. Yeah, you know, it's like how can you not cheer for that team? Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, the Twins, you want to hand you want to show up with plastic bags full of orange wedges. <laughs> you know, but the- yogurt squeezes for you, Royce Lewis, if you have a good game. <laughs> but unfortunately, the Astros have been monitoring the orange grove. <laughs> They placed the oranges. No, they got surveilled that totally, man. Go Twins on a positive note. There we go. Back after this. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Community college attendees of the world, this is your moment. It turns out all that time I spent at Nickel Beer Night gave me a better education than anything they're charging people a quarter of a million dollars for in the Ivy League. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. As we wrap things up today, reading this poll posted on Mediaite. Uh, about American youth. This is a University of California, Berkeley as well, which I got to be honest with you, it's so liberal they wanted to defund the cop and the village people. But American youth are increasingly indifferent to Jewish suffering and sympathetic to an ancient evil. More Americans now expressing support for Palestine and Hamas uh, than they are for Israel in that conflict. I got to be honest, is a really disgusting commentary on the state of academia. Okay, Harvard's leadership... Okay, obviously some of them condemning, but student groups, multiple student groups, trashing Israel, saying last week's events left them hopeful 
because they were a step towards a free Palestine. Yeah, you parachute into a rave, kill 250 innocent civilians, behead a couple of babies. They're calling that hopeful. Okay. Obviously, Yale released statements. That's unbelievable. Crazy. Both sides-ism. It's really embarrassing what's going on in our country right now because people don't have perspective. People don't really understand the consequences of life beyond our borders. But sadly, life beyond our borders is starting to happen inside our borders. And, you know, that's... I got a bad feeling about this. We need people in power who have perspective. And we need people who are indifferent to true suffering because it's cute and hip to be like, I'm with Hamas. So go over there uh, and tell you what you're with Hamas. Tell them what your pronouns are. And maybe tell them which bridge you'd like to be thrown off of after you identify yourself. The show's over. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.